I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. So a few episodes back in October, I made an interview with two advocates from the LGBTQ community, and a large section of the conversation focused on the current wave of anti-queer sentiment and uh, particularly legislation that is beginning to rise up in Iraq and Kurdistan. So today, because that legislation is still in play in the Kurdish parliament, I wanted to revisit the topic of LGBTQ rights. And since the last interview was with two queer men, I thought it would be good to talk to an advocate from another demographic of the community. So today I talk with Queen B, as she's called. Uh, That's the name that we're going with for this podcast. Uh, Queen is a trans woman and advocate working out of primarily Slemane, and a lot of her work involves not just mobilizing and educating individuals inside and outside the community about queer rights and issues here, but also uh, opening up a broader conversation about gender roles in Iraq and KRI. And we spoke for her about two and a half hours. So I've cut it down and organized this week's episode to talk more about Queen's personal life and experiences uh, with growing up here uh, and the obstacles she's faced and the successes that she's also had as an advocate and educator. Uh, like I said, these are longer than normal interviews, so I'm, I'm going to leave it here. Here's Queen B. So I think actually this is a good time to talk about uh, who you are, (laughs) because I think the best way to educate people about um, uh, the situation in Kurdistan and Iraq, but also just in general, uh, uh, the community here about uh, growing up trans Mm. and and sort of reconciling with your own identity Mm. and the challenges that you faced Mm. uh, with yourself and with others. So uh, let's just start at the beginning with uh, I'm I'm sort of curious about your own upbringing uh, and your own relationship with your family and your own sense of security and and situations in school and as you got older and and as you became more of an activist could you walk me through sort of that entire trail where did <laughs> from from the beginning truly uh, I I'm curious about um, uh, your own reconciling with your own gender identity and and if you could help sort of explain it in a way that any person here could understand. Mm. Well, when I want to talk about myself, um, uh, I always go for like who I am as a person mm-hmm. before talk about my gender identity or my sexual orientation. So basically I go by uh, my activism name as Queen Bee. Um, <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a lovely name. Um, and, and like, um, I am 33 years old. Mm. Um, I'm originally from uh, Kurdistan, from a very small town of, of Kurdistan. Um, I grew up uh, in um, a quite very conservative slash religious family, uh, but just like, you know, a very common uh, a traditional family in Kurdistan. Um, um, basically, um, I lived between different towns in Kurdistan and like at the first, uh, let's say uh, 14 years of my life, I lived in, in one place and then I actually moved to another town. And then after my university, I moved to a bigger city and, um, uh, yeah, I am, 
my 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 professional background is I I've been um, working in the field of civil society for the past uh, ten years now, um, and my education background is uh, I've uh, a bachelor from English language and literature. Um, when it comes to my uh, personal and uh, journey and growing up, uh, of course, I born as um, uh, my you know as as male, um, but um, it has you know uh, it takes some time you know back then like we are talking about uh, thirty years ago mm. I would say back ancient then, history for some <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean the, this this topic of of gender uh, uh, identity and sexual orientation was not part of the conversation mm. or was not part of the topics that is being taught at the school mainly or even not a conversation um, uh, within the family. And uh, not to say anything has changed, unfortunately. I mean, things has changed, but nothing significantly has changed. Like, I'm, I still believe, like, I still see that it's not yet part of the conversation right. within the families. So it was very much similar back then when I grew up, when I was basically five years old or six years old. Um, I am the youngest of my um, four other older siblings, all male. Um, uh, I grew up in a very uh, <laughs> masculine male uh, mm-hmm. family. I think the only female was my mom. <laughs> Didn't have even my sister. So, um, uh, so basically, I grew up in this environment where, uh, first of all, the the topic of gender identity and, like I said, sexual orientation is not part of the conversation. And secondly, uh, the fact that I was, I was not ticking the box of what does the, the masculine uh, man uh, or male man cisgender look like. Mm. I was not ticking any of the box. I was very much queenie, <laughs> <laughs> well, even in, as a child, as, as young as like five to six years old. I remember always like, you know, I'm more close to, 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 the, to the woman and female in my family mm-hmm. rather than the male. Um, uh, I, I enjoy it, um, uh, stuff that is more feminine. If, if that's a word to describe it, like, for example, uh, putting on a dress mm-hmm. or putting on makeup uh, or always sneaking in the closet of my mom trying to, to try her clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, whenever I had the chance, I remember as young as six years, there was like no, no one in the house. I get this comfort zone in, like in a room uh, where I can try and express this side of me. I very much enjoyed dancing. I very much enjoyed, like as a little kid, I remember to have a long hair, mm-hmm. you know, and sitting in front of the mirror for hours looking at myself and like trying to use whatever makeup that my mom has, which I can recall she didn't have almost any <laughs> because like she doesn't believe in, the, in in putting makeup but basically like i had to work on like you know basic stuff like i sometimes i used my coloring pen mm. like the the pens that i used to draw i used to do to do, to do eyeshadows and all of that mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i was very much expressive i was very much open about you know even though I don't know the words for it even though i don't have the words for it to express it but it was actually visible on me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very much exploring everything that I was just makes me happy, makes me feel who I am mm-hmm. as a person or as a child. I think uh, it only 
if we are speaking about the the the, the process of it or how I grow up in that, it just came as a problem when when my other siblings saw me doing that or my family members saw me that I'm not, I'm doing something which I shouldn't do as mm. a young, you know, male, uh, as, a, as, a, as a child who born as a male. And so I get the, the pushbacks, actually. And uh, very much like I remember like one incident when, when my older sibling actually, you know, um, physically, uh, you know, just slapped me in my face because I was having colors on my face um, and saying like, this is not how you, you basically should behave or, 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 or do. Did you discover sort of more mm. information about trans identity and non mm. the non-binary, the concept of non-binary identity in school or was that later in your life? When did you first start mm. finding a channel to educate yourself? Uh, of course not at school uh-huh. because, like I said, neither during my uh, younger self as a teenage mm-hmm. uh, or during high school or even during the university, those not never will be talked about and still is not a topic. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, now it's different because, you know, Internet is basically taking over. And I think the the start of it was for me during my, um, you know, it was always like there. It's never something that it just completely erased in my journey. It was always part of my journey, but it went different stages. As a kid, I was very expressive and okay to express it, but then uh, at the later stage, I had to cover it because I needed to survive. Uh, for me, like when I got the information, it's basically when we had internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like, I think back to it in 2006. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. That's a common through line with a lot yeah. of people in your yeah. generation is, is being able to figure out through the internet and, and sort of the uh, conservative uh, mm-hmm. uh, take out here is Western media in general. Mm. Um, the more TV shows feature gay characters, mm. uh, more uh, uh, gay icons and, and queer icons uh, uh, become popular on Instagram and TikTok and things like that. Yeah, social uh, media. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so a lot of those individuals uh, that are featured in social media uh, come from societies that where they don't actually have to face the kind of pressure and, and sort of self-reliance and self-education that you did. And so, and that schism still exists here. Uh, yes. Of, of very much. queer identity is very much here, defined by another world uh, uh, and, and, and information and, and advocates that don't understand mm. completely mm. what it's like to be in a school in a family where it's okay to slap you for wearing, mm. you know, colored makeup. pencils on your yeah, yeah. makeup or or or, mm. or um, and not having the resources to be able to define why it is that you're like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Like you you, you said it very beautifully, like this topic is still very much westernized. Mm -hmm. And people believe that because we, (laughs) because we as in like queer community, we watch a lot of queer icons Mm -hmm. or we're we're more, uh, you know, and it it could be like, I think the part of it, like I think it's, Partially, this could be correct when it comes to the source of the informations, um, because out there there is not a lot of, or basically barely, there is any information about you know 
historical Kurdish or uh, or Iraqi mm-hmm. uh, icons uh, or like um, uh, poets or right. like leaders right. that they were actually gender fluid or right. gender non-binary. We we barely have any information. And there's a so, long history of it here, and there is. Yeah, there is, and like just people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. People just like want to see what what is like you said. What is they don't want to be challenged by their own like you know uh, in, like stuff that they need to work on. Mm-hmm. So like uh, we barely have any information in lo- local language, and most of the information is actually available in English, mm. and is coming from this part of the world, um, which 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 uh, is not nothing like our system. Society, nothing like in our context, because, like uh, I was mentioning to you, like um, the history is 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 different. They have started the work like in the Western country or in the U.S. Like they started the work earlier, mm-hmm. and this topic of gender identity and gender expression and representation is very much new to 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 talking while talking about it, but it is never historically new. Right. It was always been part of the history. So like it's easy for people to just go to the to the surface and don't dig the, the details around it where 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 is this coming from? They mm-hmm. just easy to say this is westernized. Uh, but like I said, partially it's true because like most of the information are available in English. Mm. And like that was the same case for, with me. So when you asked about like your experience, I feel like so like for for me as a person, a lot of information I get they're just wrong information. They're just information that based on on my family's understanding of this topic, mm. and my family understanding is basically it was not exist. It, it, it was not part, and it still is not part of their local language. So they they just inherited the, the binary world definition. Mm-hmm. They haven't digged around it. They haven't did the hard work mm-hmm. to see. They never questioned it. Mm-hmm. They just inherited like the like their genetic, their hair colors. Their, exactly. Like, you know, and they just went ahead with it without questioning it. Well, and the and the way that they would go about digging mm-hmm. around for it would mm-hmm. be again through a media channel that they don't identify with culturally. Yeah. So why would they? Yeah. They can look at, you know, they can look at, I don't know, I'm going to just pull out RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah. which is lazy, but yeah. I'm going to use it. It's like, why would why would anyone here watch that? It doesn't mm. make any sense here. There's no yeah. context for why that show would work here, mm. uh, even though it's very educational. Yeah, it <laughs> uh, is. And uh, that there's there remains a pressure uh, mm. for people to assert themselves uh, as men, as women, uh, no matter what new information comes their way here because oftentimes the new information that comes their way comes from a thing that they can instantly write off as, well, that's Western. Mm. You know, that's not us. We're not that. That's something else. Exactly. So uh, to jump back to sort of you're growing up, Mm. uh, was there that fear that existed with just internally of not just that you're an other, but Mm. that you're dangerous to other Mm. people? Of course. Of course. That's... That's very much a uh, common experiences with when uh, to grow up as a queer in this country is basically you like uh, that's why unfortunately a lot of uh, even the queer uh, individual there has some level of uh, uh, internalized homophobia inside mm-hmm. them. Uh, it's just because like there's everything is wrong uh, when when you receive. When you receive uh, the comments and the the informations uh, from the others, so you get this sense that there is a lot of things wrong about you 
as a queer person and um, uh, not 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 uh, not speaking of the fact that there's haram and the religion is is part of the the internalization of this that I'm doing something and 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 faithful mm-hmm. or uh, 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 against my religion or against even my nature. Uh, so uh, that's why I say like a lot of uh, queer individuals do struggle from uh, internalized homophobia because all they receive is a negative uh, comment and the wrong information, uh, which is basically coming from the society and they are not correct information or information that is based on on, 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 on scientific studies or like based on that, the, the true fact that gender identity is is not something westernized, is not something coming from somewhere else. It has been in the history of, of Iraq and Kurdistan and all the Middle East. Like um, one of the uh, topics, I think it's actually, it was more existed in the Western world uh, and like uh, before, like this non-binary world, mm-hmm. it was not part of our history. Mm-hmm. I'm curious on a personal level with you again growing up and 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 recognizing this aspect of yourself the stress and sort of the and we're going to talk about mental health queen i'm sorry mm, of course, uh, but, sure. <laughs> kind of my topic <laughs> yeah but um uh the the stress and sort of the uh um pressure that you had to put on yourself in order to sort of reassert and figure out exactly who you were mm. yeah uh, a lot Mm-hmm. immensely a lot like it's just um um like as simple as like you get to disconnect with your own body mm-hmm. like you know at some period of my my life i had to be not friendly to my body like uh not like completely disconnect about uh my physical uh, uh body uh meaning meaning uh, the fact that, you know, because of all of the negative information and comments and, and negative comments that I received to, about the way that I look and uh, how skinny I am or how, how overweight I am, uh, it just basically comes from the fact that it used to be, uh, actually, uh, it's just like um, you are no longer friend with you. I was no longer friend at some point of my life with my own physical body. Mm. I didn't have a good relation and that's why uh, um, I had, I mean, at some p- period of my life, I had to, you know, just to survive the fact that I needed the way to survive. I needed to cope uh, and, and build the resilience uh, because it was not safe, basically, to, to be who I want to be uh, at some, like, uh, at the level that it was not safe that I could actually, re- you know, I've also experienced personally physical violence and a physical abuse in terms of like people because they saw me feminine, uh, because they 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 saw that I'm not taking the the box, then it was easier for them to comment on my look. It was eas- easier for them even to actually abuse uh, uh, physically and like uh, use uh, uh, you know physical abuse against me because they they think like they're they have more power than I than than me. Mm-hmm. So. It comes with a lot of um, stress also mentally because like, uh, A, personally, you are not connected to your body. So you don't have, uh, like, I don't have this good relationship with my body. So I can't be who I, you know, I want to be. I always stressed about 
the way that I walk, the way I took the piece of clothes that I I put on myself. I have to like make a, a, a deep analysis and then assessment or where I'm going to be, which event that I'm going to be and how I should be dressed up. Until today, like I cannot, you know, even like like I told you until today, I am dressed up, you know, very much openly. Of course, I had this, you know, difficult process or difficult journey of my life when I had to reconcile with my own body and then learn a lot of things that people telling me this. No, they are not true. And actually what makes me happy, what makes me comfortable, that's what's exactly what I want to be. So until today, even though I'm not extremely expressing my gender identity as a transgender woman, my gender representation or expression is more gender neutral i will i'm getting on daily basis looks in a public places in markets in taxis and 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 coffee shops i get looks i get like comments and specifically with trans and non-binary mm-hmm. identity there you, you you said it perfectly uh, it's about a relationship about being okay with your own body mm-hmm. and that can take a very toxic and dangerous turn if if you come to the conclusion that you're not okay with who you are mm. and that can lead to different avenues such as self-harm and suicide. And so I, I, to take a turn into uh, a sort of darker path, mm. um, I'm curious if you have ever had issues with either self-harm or suicidal thoughts or if you've mm. had anyone in your life from mm. this community that has had to deal with that. Um, personally, I think I'm... Um, you know, I'm very much grateful for that, that, um, you know, I've been able to deal with that and reconcile with that positively. Mm-hmm. And I never had the, like, of course, I've been through dark, dark uh, period of my life. I think um, for so many, like, especially during the high school and the university, I had to just, you know, um, um, cover it up. I would say mm-hmm. that was the the maximum level of I had to do is just to cover up my my gender identity and to look more of masculine. And of course, I'm not saying this was better, right? Uh, but comparing to a suicidal thoughts or like self harm thoughts, I never had them. Uh, and I'm just very much grateful because I've been able to like my journey is just reconciling with my gender identity and gender expression. Um, uh, I have been able to kind of reconcile in a in a positive way, uh, rather than to go to the extreme way, which is self harm. Uh, yes, I had to cover up, which as a result it had a mental health negative implication on my uh, on my mental health. I had to kind of wear during the university wear certain clothes, you know, uh, pro- to, for protection reasons, basically mm-hmm. protection reasons. But also it just actually helped me to focus on other sides. So. Uh, you know, that's why I think this, there is also a difference at which I want to touch base on it. Like a younger generation, which is like, let's say, a decade younger than I, uh, they are more um, because of the differences in the generation and differences in the, 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 the world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. They are much, much more focused on on their queer identity more than other aspects of their life, which can be good and bad in the same time. So for my 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 experience, yes, it was bad that I had to cover up, that I have to hide that part of me, which was my gender identity. Uh, but also, if I look at it as a personally, I think it was very useful and and helpful. 
in in term of I had to focus on my education. I get my degree, and I also had spend a lot of time working on my career mm-hmm. and and my my professional life in the field of civil society organization. And then those year, I I okay, I was deprived from being and expressing who I am, but I was still able to use these. Um, negative experiences and 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 put it into a positive uh, side of my life uh, and then once I had the chance once I was you know uh, personally uh, achieved uh, through my uh, university degree or or professionally achieved for my work then I had the opportunity to actually relocate and separate from my family and move on to a different city when I feel safe when I feel I can rely on myself financially socially and 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 professionally um, now if we if we see uh, someone who is in their 20s and they're actually like let's say 18s uh, and they are studying at the university and then because of the bullying they receive at the university of their gender identity they most of the time they have to spend extra years in the university um uh, uh, sometimes that people had to actually drop out of the school uh, because they couldn't really continue. And also the, the fact that even if they graduated because of their gender identity and gender expression, they cannot get, find a decent job uh, uh, or a job that is respectful to their identity. Right. Which we talked about at the, the beginning, yes. the, the inability of uh, being able to assert yourself in society and then therefore mm. being sort of punished for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, Let's pivot a little bit. Uh, I'm curious, actually, uh, if we could get into your own your, your own gender identity, mm-hmm. uh, and if you could sort of explain who you are to me uh, again, like I'm sort of just someone on the street. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that would be actually a good way to sort of mm. open up the larger conversation about all sorts of things with trans identity and non-binary identity, mm. because I think, again, you have sort of been able to put yourself out there professionally and personally as sort mm. of a, a person who can mm. sort of be a sponge of knowledge for other people, uh, sort of at personal cost, I think. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I, you're here and we have microphones. So, yeah, if you could tell me sort of where you're standing with your own gender identity and explain that to me. Mm. Uh, good question. <laughs> it's just I get a lot of them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like um, if I get to explain uh, my gender identity, like I said, I born uh, as a male. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my biological sex characteristic is male, uh, while my gender identity is woman, mm-hmm. which because of the non-binary world, anyone born as male has to be man. Any this is a bi- bi- binary definition. I'm not saying just right. to be clear. I'm not saying this is true. But the binary definition is basically you are male, you are man. You're female, you're woman. But it does and that's pretty much the cisgender word is coming from. Mm-hmm. So anyone who their sex matches their gender identity, then they're cisgender. Okay? For me, I born as a male but my gender identity is woman. So I am transgender. Mm -hmm. I'm not cisgender because my sex and my gender, they don't match. Mm -hmm. And even like, of course, like in the the psychology world, 
uh, and even the terms that, you know, recently, thankfully, they came across a more neutral word for, 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 for defining this uh, before they used to call uh, gender um, disorder <laughs> or mm-hmm. gender dysphoria or whatever is that. But then now we have more inclusive term that we can say those are just transgender. Mm-hmm. And being transgender, there is no illness, there is no, you know, nothing to be fixed. It's just because this binary world forced itself onto the societies and the people to fit into to only two books. And those who are outside of two books, they don't necessarily to be wrong, and there's actually nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And they're completely normal, they're completely healthy, and they're completely um, uh, as any anybody else. Nothing less, nothing more. They're just transgender. Right. So I identify myself as a transgender woman uh, who are currently, um, uh, of course, you know, being a transgender is, is a journey, I would say. And uh, it's it, it just everybody's experience and everybody's uh, journey is different. My journey, I am currently uh, as a, just a transgender woman. Um, and, um, and that's the same case with a lot of other people. There's a lot of transgender women out there who are uh, only the transgender. It's just through their gender expression. And that could be. For me and for others, the same thing. Not all of the transgender women wants to do the sex uh, reassignment surgery, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, you know, if they did, if they had the medical or hormonal intervention, then they will become a transsexual woman mm-hmm. or a transsexual man. What are the obstacles with accessing hormonal treatment or uh, sexual reassignment therapy in Kurdistan and Iraq? So let's start with the hormonal therapy first, uh-huh. because sexual sex reassignment surgery is is illegal mm-hmm. in this country. And uh, like uh, you, you could like anybody you do it, or like uh, it's a person who's doing it for you, they can actually punish and be imprisoned for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is outside of the discussion. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> happening right now. Right. Like that's why a lot of transgender uh, women and men they have to travel to other neighborhood countries and try to do the the medical uh, uh, intervention. But for the hormones, I think a lot of obstacles. Um, you know, one of them is just the fact that, you know, people who are biased professionally, whether they're the, this, 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 uh, the therapist, um, the hormonal therapist or the psychotherapist people or the, even the, 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 the medical doctors, uh, there's a lot of bias, and they they can ask you very personal question. I personally I haven't done it, uh, so I don't I cannot speak from from my own experiences, but I can speak from the experiences of the close people that I have in my life as transgender woman and transsexual man. Uh, they had to go through hell basically. The fact that they ask very personal questions and they start to like you know basically. Uh, make fun or make jokes about like, for example, one of the trans women who wanted to receive a hormonal therapy and the doctor, like the, they signed off the, the receipt for, for, for her to go and receive the medication from the pharmacy. And then they looked at the receipt and they looked at my transgender friend. Uh, uh, they were like, there is a picture of the estrogen, you know, uh, hormones. Mm-hmm. It's just a face of a woman. <laughs> A girly woman, a very beautiful face. The the first thing the pharmacy guy told her, "Do you want to be look like her?" 
is this the thingy that you want to go for or aim for? So that's that's kind of mm. you know unnecessary stuff. But of course, like uh, there's a lot of financial um, uh, um, uh, constraints when you know you have to have a kind of some sort of an income and you know job stability in order to be able to afford. Uh, those hormones right. because you have to basically take them on every day like for the rest of mm-hmm. your life. It's a very stringent it is. schedule. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like also like psychologically, not just from the fact that, the, the, you know, the after the hormones affects and, you know, the, the changes happens in, in somebody's uh, uh, body or like physical appearances and um there is two sides of it, the psychological side of it when they, they basically almost ha- hitting the puberty. That's how, you know, they have been describing it to me that they have been very hormonal mm. uh, and they have, they become very much more um, emotional and they had to go through like just, you know, puberty stage almost. Uh, but also the other side of it, that the comments and the bullying and uh, like more they are visible uh, to be a transgender woman, mm-hmm. then this means that uh, people who are, uh, let's say, it's, it's, it's more straight, more cisgender, they get more confused by the look. So they get these very strange questions. Are you a man? Are you a woman? Right. Are you a girl or a boy? Or the bullings and like the, the jokes that they receive. And like... Um, and this is just the basics, the minimum. Right. You know, uh, uh, you well, know. it can get violent. Yes, yeah. it does. And mm-hmm. it did. And it did actually. Mm-hmm. Like also like uh, only in last year, I think uh, two transgender women, uh, uh, you know, one transgender and one transsexual woman got killed. Mm. Uh, one of them like uh, Doski Azad who uh, have been killed by her own brother and uh, uh, and run away and the murderer run away from the punishment and I like we don't know what happened even though it was a very uh, uh, you know viral topic on social media and mm-hmm. also media nobody knows what happened to the murderer and also the other person who uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, Misho uh, uh, who is also used to uh, who, was, who was a transgender woman and um uh, have been kidnapped by her own uncle and father, and the fam, and the mom came forward on TV on Rudal and spoke about the fact that she she basically uh, 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 you know sued the uh, or kind of raised a, a, a complaint against her own husband and her own son, saying that they are the reason behind kidnapping my own uh, 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 kid uh, and nothing. Uh, we we don't know what happened to her. We don't know whether she's been killed, whether she's been buried somewhere. Nobody knows about it. And like, yeah, basically could reach to that level. But I was just explaining the basics and day to day struggles of mm-hmm. of being a, tra- uh, a transgender man or woman. Well, and to bring it back <clears throat> to uh, sexual reassignment surgery mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. There is a certain level of international privilege that comes with being born trans or non-binary mm-hmm. in a country with greater access to international travel. So again, there is a certain level, and you've touched on this, but uh, we haven't really addressed it directly, but the the idea of mobility uh, uh, for uh, members in, in specifically uh, the trans and non-binary community uh, being able to go locally to a place where they feel safe, a safe cafe, for example, as you mentioned before, but also to be able to go 
change who they are in another country can be mm. very difficult uh, uh, if you don't have a passport that of is accepted. Course. Of course. Yeah. You can't even, and I cannot even imagine from the stories that I, I know from my close friends. I have a very um, uh, 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 close friend of mine who is also a transsexual uh, man. Mm. Uh, and the, the story is amazing. Like uh, this person born as uh, a female, and they lived their life for a period of, of, of time, a long time actually, as a female. And uh, they had to do the, the surgery their own. And this is this example that I'm giving because I think it's very powerful and it's very illuminating uh, uh, for a lot of those people, uh, the audience of this podcast, that they do not ne necessarily get to know these deep level of struggles every day. Mm -hmm. And I think this will be a message for a lot of people to listen to, to, to how much of the struggles and how much, uh, how much of the, the journey and the pain that the people go through in order to reconcile with their own gender. And it's, you know, the fact that they see someone, it's just their gender identity is just not fitting the, non, the, the, the binary world. Uh, there is a lot of things w behind that that people don't see. And it's oftentimes, unfortunately, it's kept uh, uh, unheard, untold and speaking because of the lack of the platforms and opportunities. That's why if you allow me, I wanna just briefly walk you through the, the process that they had. So they lived for almost 25 years as a female in a body, in a, in a skin that they are not comfortable with, that they are not, you know, every day wake up, there's, they, they, they look at the mirror, they get a lot of psychological and mental health you know, implications and pressure that this is not who I am. And there's a word in, in, in the psychology, they call it that they are trapped in their own body. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly, and I want people to imagine if they want to, if they are actually trapped in their own body, it means that they're imprisoned in a body that doesn't belong to them, that they doesn't see themselves in it. And what does it look like for a second if you are trapped in a body that you are not happy with? So they've almost for 25 years, they actually lived in that body. And uh, they started with, you know, trying to reconcile with their gender uh, identity. They started with changing their clothes, changing their haircut, or, or, you know, just looking more masculine. And that was not enough for them. And they have to go to do reassignment surgery for this particular person. Mm -hmm. They felt that there is a need and I'm again saying this is not the, the same journey for all of the transgender people. But for this particular person, they get the rejection from the family. They, they actually, uh, they, have, uh, they have fled the country uh, because of the persecution they have uh, uh, receiving on daily basis from their family. So they fled for another country and they try to, with their passport, speaking of the passport, they try to seek asylum in the second country and it never worked out for them. They had to live a, a very miserable life in the second country and, and live as a refugee. No jobs, no support, no assistance. And with the minimum support that UNHCR gives to these refugees, queer refugees, and there's a lot of them right now. Mm. Some of them I currently I'm in contact with. So they ended up uh, chased by their family and they have brought the, him back because the, uh, he's a transgender, he's now a transsexual man, but when he was a transgender man, um, 
he brought back to 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 Kurdistan and they have in, imprisoned him they have tortured him and they they said you can never proceed with that and they actually challenged the family and they fled the family again and they went to another neighborhood country uh, or neighbor country and and they did the sex reassignment surgery by their own and um, no one with you in, in that time. He, they, he had nobody with them. And he was alone uh, going. And he, he, like, I wish one day you bring that person on, on this pro- bo- podcast to explain how. But when I am talking about it, I'm actually shaking. Because they, they said, like, when, when they went to the surgery room, like the medical, you know, place, uh, they remembered their childhood. They remember their childhood when when they want then when they were always wanted to dress like a boy, and when 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 uh, his mom forced him to put on a a, a girly clothes and he started to shout and cry, so he he remembered that part of memory in, in in his childhood when he was almost going inside to do the surgery, and fortunately they did the surgery. And he came back, he challenged the whole family, and he's living as a transsexual man currently in Kurdistan. And that's just one of one of the stories. A lot of stories who never made it, who never who actually got killed, even after the surgery like Doski Azad. Mm. Even during the transitioning, like Misha, who who haven't been able to express or present more in their gender identity or explore more, they haven't made it. Down the road, they have been killed. Uh, so yeah, and I still like you know, uh, it's just it's just a lot financially. Like they have, they they uh, he has to go through a lot of uh, adepts because of of the financial consequences and the payments is very expensive. It's not easy, especially for transsexual man. Is 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 extra layer, extra level of challenges, uh, comparing to the trans uh, woman surgery and and another side like you know they have to do this uh, even if they have to do it in in iraq and in kurdistan they have to do it underground or like in a black market mm-hmm. uh, i recall uh, a trans um gender man from uh, uh um, south of iraq uh who who came to 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 the organization that i was working asking for help with their Trans uh, transitioning, and 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 of course, you know, in the in the in the organization, we didn't have much support to to help with the medical support with that because basically there is like not many support that they, we can afford, and uh, they went ahead after you know uh, you know spending a time in Kurdistan and trying to figure out what kind of option they have, they ran out of the options, so they they went back to the to their t- their city. And they did the surgery in country, and a lot of them because they have done in the black market and illegally, and uh, they they can they can be very harmful, and like especially like I said for transsexual uh, or transgender man, uh, it includes like the top surgery removing the breast, um, uh, it's just a lot of pain uh, that they have to 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 immense amount of pain that they have to endure during the transitioning. Uh, for transgender women, uh, there are like when they do the sex reassignment surgery, there are you know basically a metal piece that they have to keep inside for months, 
and like the fact that they can't walk properly for for the first months and the pain that they have to go through. So, you know, I'm telling all of this story just to, 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 to send this message that what you see in front of you in the in the bazaar, in the markets, in the cafe, it's not just the cover. It's not just, you know, the, the look that you look at that it's easy for you to judge. It's easy for you to not understand. It's easy for you. It's funny. It's cool. Uh, it's trendy to make jokes about others and be cool. But don't forget that behind this skin, there is a lot of pain. There is a lot of struggle. There is a lot of emotional and psychological uh, uh, um, implication that the person had to endure uh, in their life and in their journey. And it's not okay at all uh, to to give yourself the right that just because you are privileged and you're born as a cisgender man, and you're born as a straight man or straight woman or cisgender woman to give yourself the right to to judge others uh, based on what they look and not knowing anything. Uh, and I think it's just it's just not just not okay. It's a shame, I would say. And I would people just want them for a second to imagine what does it look like for yourself. Put yourself in their shoe for a second, for a minute, and imagine yourself. How how would you? deal with that before saying anything. Well, Queen, I really <laughs> I really want to thank you for giving me your time today and sharing your story and these stories. Thank you so much. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank Queen so much for coming into the studio. I've reposted a few different news articles about uh, the developing anti-advocacy legislation in KRI, similar to what I did in the LGBTQ advocacy episode back in October. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network, and you can check out our podcast on KurdistanIn.net. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at KurdistanIn.net. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan. Inside Kurdistan.